0: Hello and welcome to Signals from the Hill. I'm Kat from Avery Hill Publishing and in this episode I'm going to be talking to Lizzie Stewart and Molly Naylor whose book Lights, Planets, People came out in September. But first some Avery Hill news. This month we've just launched our first ever Kickstarter campaign which is to fund our Spring 2022 line. There are three books involved in the campaign. Uh, 2120 by George Wylasall who previously published Ghosts Etc and Internet Crusader with us. Uh, Sleeping While Standing by Taki Soma, who's a creator we're working with for the first time, very excited about her book. And Outer Wilderness by Claire Scully. Um, We've previously worked with Claire on the other books in her series, uh, Internal Wilderness and Desolation Wilderness. So this is the third book with Claire. It's a really cool and interesting and varied selection of books. So um, I highly recommend taking a look. I'll include the link below. Lights, Planets, People by Molly Naylor and Lizzie Stewart is just one of the books we've put out this year. Head over to averyhillpublishing.com for more information on all our books. They're also available from all good bookshops and digital editions can be found on our Gumroad shop. So I'm here with Molly Naylor and Lizzie Stewart, who are the author and illustrator of Lights, Planets, People, which uh, was published in September, was it? With Avery Hill Publishing. Molly I wonder if you could give a really brief kind of overview of what the book is about.
1: So the book I'm so sorry if you hear a weird shaking noise it's this guy. (laughs) That's him shaking his ears so that's what's going on that's a it's a dog not a person. Um, But yeah so the book is about a woman called Maggie who is a space scientist, and she's at a very interesting point in her career. She's sixty, and she has just undergone the biggest mission of her life, the biggest sort of career uh, milestone. But it didn't go according to plan, and she is now in this position where she's got to give a lecture to a series to, to a group of young um, young women who are interested in STEM, interested in science, and she's got to go and give this talk based on this sort of monumental thing that's just happened to her and she's scared of doing it so she is having some therapy to sort of deal with her 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 panic attacks she's also got bipolar disorder and she is dealing with a a recent breakup which was sort of quite heartbreaking um, in a way that she's not really yet even able to address so the book is in three parts it's the it's the lecture to the girls it's the interspersed with the therapy session that's already happened and then flashbacks to sort of explore both the relationship breakdown and the and the big career mission that's well i won't tell you exactly what happened with it but didn't Uh. yeah didn't go according to plan so there's these three strands that then um sort of help us build to build this picture of of who she is and what she's just undergone and what might be about to happen to her next
0: mm. and one thing that that's been uh, intriguing me is I was really curious whether you had read a lot of comics before this project came about or whether
1: it was kind of quite new to you I had yeah so I'd read um I I I ha- I'm not sort of an avid, an an, avics, an avid comics guy, but um, I sort of read them in the same way I, I sort of dip into poetry or philosophy. I sort of maybe read like one graphic novel a year or something, one that sort of takes my fancy. So it's more like the story that would appeal to me rather than the form itself. I've always loved the form, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of necessarily hunt out graphic novels. But if one came into my path that looked amazing you know then yeah. I would then I would read it yeah so, so I wouldn't say I was like I would I yeah I I did feel like I was sort of new to the form but I was felt very comfortable with Lizzie because I knew that she was old to the form. <laughs> wow <laughs> what a burn. <man. laughs>
0: Lizzie how does that make you feel? <laughs> um,
2: I mean old to the form I guess yeah
0: so, because you you two kind of knew of each other's work already. Is that right? How did that come about?
2: Um, uh, so I knew I'd been given a book of Molly, Molly's poetry years ago from a friend, and uh, I really liked that. And um, it went back maybe 2012. This was so. Then I I sent Molly an email just because it's sometimes nice to send people emails when when you like their work, um, and said, I think this is beautiful. And she sent me a very nice response, probably keep, <laughs> keeping the crazy fan at arm's length. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, and said, said nice things and like, oh, maybe we should work together in the future. And then um, we didn't really, I mean, we didn't know each other particularly in real life before we started working on this, but we did know, have people in common that
1: mm-hmm.
2: could vouch for like, oh, sh- they're not a crazy person. Yeah. Or, or they're not like someone who's gonna wander off mid project or or whatever. I think that was really um, useful to have those. Those yeah. people in common that could say, oh, that's, that's gonna be a real thing. If, if, mm-hmm. she's, if she's pitching it, it's a real thing. Um, So that was useful. But yeah, I'd been aware of her work. I'd been to see a couple of her uh, shows. Um, So it was, yeah, it was really exciting when to get to get the email a couple of years ago to say I've I've got this show and maybe it could be something else. Um, Yeah, because I guess I guess the dream is that is that someone you respect and like the work of comes to you with that stuff and it's not. So, so
0: Chris,
2: yeah. some person off the internet who's got to reckon about that they might be good at this thing um, yes
0: yeah 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 you do get those emails sometimes
2: <laughs> yeah yeah will you yeah. illustrate my 500 epic 500 yeah epic uh orc fantasy or something yeah um, I'm not because i mean
0: molly you do work in theater and uh, all sorts which is quite a sort of naturally collaborative art form but I think illustration and making comics can be quite a solitary (laughs) uh art form so I yeah I can relate to what you're saying about um feeling wary of going into collaborations and things and not knowing quite how that's going to go but it sounds like it went really well for you too.
1: Yeah and from my perspective I just was like I was sort of nervous about approaching Lizzie because I you know had grown to be a real admirer of her of her work as I've become more familiar with it but um I also I don't know I don't mind just sort of asking if people want to collaborate because I feel like it's their responsibility if they want to say no and my friend my friend Tim Clare, he's really sweet he's like I talked to him about the book and he he was like said how scared he was like well what if I ask them and what if they they do want to collaborate and then what if like they they just they just they just say that they will out of like politeness and then they end up stuck with me I'm like I just think that's their problem if that happens (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it is it's a lovely thing to do
0: like you said Lizzie to just let someone know that you've enjoyed their work um because I think a lot of people kind of forget that they can do that and they just enjoy something and that's it and it's really nice to reach out to an artist and you know just tell them how much you enjoyed what they made Um, yeah so Molly was it um, quite exciting the idea of kind of revisiting this story which was in the play form was kind of a finished story but I guess it was quite must have been quite exciting to think about how to how you might be able to expand it further for the book.
1: Yeah it really was and I didn't really have that many ideas about that when I first approached Lizzie I just knew that I don't know something would would have to happen but I didn't want to think too much about it almost before I sort of got Lizzie to sign, to sign on to the project um, and then and then when she said that she was potentially up for it but had sort of noticed that the play was very wordy because it is essentially just a monologue that was the point where I was like I'm gonna have to expand my thinking now and think about you know what how how to sort of visualize it and dramatize it in a different way and that was a really now I feel like I want to go back and do the play again but with the new bits (laughs) that we 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 created for this
0: yeah I can imagine that (laughs) gosh that would be so
2: strange it would be a really interesting experiment to kind of go back.
0: yeah um so did you write a, a sort of did you write it as a script for with a with a graphic novel in mind and send that to Lizzie
1: Yeah, so I wrote it. Well, first of all, I think we just spoke um, and then and I managed to convince her. But then I told I I, yeah, I so I turned what was um, a very sort of dialogue heavy stage play into a screenplay. So then it became a visual, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, because I don't know if you have read a screenplay or seen a screenplay, probably have. But like, you know, it's just describing action. That's all Mm -hmm. it is. It's describing action and dialogue. And so then that's the sort of perfect place for a, an artist to start because then they're looking at, you know, action rather than rather than just words, right? So it's not like Lizzie had to go, okay, so she's saying all this stuff, but what is she doing? It was like, I was then had written uh-huh. what, what she was doing as well, um, uh-huh. which was really nice. So now it's like, yeah, I sort of have this screenplay version of it as well. But it's sort of just, you know, they're ready for anyone who wants to adapt <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. <laughs> Um, and did you already have an interest in the the sort of space science angle and the mental health angle? Were those kind of topics that you were already interested in or did they just sort of come about as you developed the story initially?
1: The mental health stuff, I feel like that always comes into my projects. Um, the space stuff was really new and that was based off uh, a little sort of um, experimental writing residency that I was invited to go on with a company called China a company called China Plate and they um they was they were sort of pairing together scientists and artists in a sort of exciting week of like have some chats and see what happens and see if anything comes of it and I got really obsessed with um this this guy Don Polacco, who's a space scientist so I sort of built based Maggie's mission on because he's launching a real mission in real life to find exoplanets or you know habitable Exoplanets outside of this solar system, which mm-hmm. was just so fascinating to me, and so sort of also quite tangible because I feel like that I understand that. I mean, it's it's mad and it's huge and it's complex, but I understand that as a name. Whereas so much of science feels like, you know, I was sort of talking to people about solar flares and you know, and kind of going ah, but this it was like no, I know that he's yeah he's mm-hmm. he's launching a mission to and find another planet. For us to live on when we ruin this one, and that just felt like, wow, that's that's kind of baffling, but also very, very, very clear. Yeah. Um, and so,
0: Lizzie, you did you say that you had seen the the stage version of this?
2: No, I never saw the stage version. Oh, okay. Version. I'd seen other shows that Molly had done okay. in the past, um, but this one, I think, kept missing, and then and then it was done. Uh-huh. Um, so I in the end although like I've seen the I've watched the trailer Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and watching it the trailer having finished the book I didn't watch the trailer till I'd finished drawing the book Mm. I found it quite like oh oh my gosh (laughs) I found it quite um emotional quite like it's a real it's real there it is it's real um And I think if I saw the play now, I would probably ball all the way through it. Yeah, Um, uh, Just because it's too, I think you get, I think it's now like uh, the project's just become a part of you and you become a part of that character and that character is in you and you're, it would just be, (laughs) I think, slightly unbearable for the rest of the audience if I was there. But um, it was definitely um, kind of useful not seeing it. I'm mm. so not feeling tied to or not even that I didn't feel tied to but um so the originally Maggie was played by Karen who? Karen Hill Hill oh my gosh useless <laughs> um uh and in order for the book to be a different thing I didn't want to just be drawing yeah Karen throughout it had to because there are limit different other limitations to drawing a book that mean that basing it on, on too much on an exact reality can be debilitating so um, I think it would have been hard to get her out of my head yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's useful but now I would like to see it please will you stage it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes it has to go back on stage so everyone that in the book can see it again um yeah I mean I I find um Maggie a really compelling character myself so I kind of imagine that Lizzie you must have felt that when you kind of read the screenplay that Molly wrote um I just I love the opening and I love I think so many people can relate to someone hiding in a toilet and giving themselves a talking to you know just trying to get ready for this scary thing um what what were some of your first impressions when you read it Lizzie
2: um there were. it's very hard it's very hard to go back to like the first version of a thing that you come to know very intimately because it's like almost like looking at a different thing. Like when I think about like the first version of a city that I've lived in, the first day that you're there, it looks completely different all Mm -hmm. the subsequent days. So I think when I first saw it, I was initially just having, I think quite a panic about science in general, Um, (laughs) just had a science panic because that was way beyond what I normally write about. I think initially maybe, in first reading that sort of eclipsed what was actually there, That was like an amazing character study, which is like the thing that I love the most in all stories. Um, and then when I really got stuck in, like just reading Maggie, an older woman, a scientist, a queer woman, a woman who is struggling with her mental health was just like, oh gosh. I want her to be real and I want her to be in a book and um she was just so so vividly drawn in words not pictures um and uh refreshing Mm. compared to the other graphic novels that I'd read over the past few years she was a break from what had perhaps come become a set of like standardized characters who you can pick out in different books mm-hmm. over and over again so she was she was very exciting and her world was like I don't think this exists and I wanted yeah. to. Yeah
0: I, I really appreciated an older sort of protagonist because I think there's something in comics where there's an awful lot of kind of YA type books um, and a lot of books that are about people's kind of formative experiences and so I really like reading about characters that are a little bit older because it's a bit rare I think in in comics um my last book I I wrote about characters that were kind of in their 40s and I was was so happy to be able to do that um but yeah yeah
2: yeah. I I totally feel the same about your book actually it was like so refreshing to feel like you're in a world that has got past that initial panic stage only to discover there's 20 more panic
0: stages. There's more panics, yeah. <laughs> um, Slightly different ones. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, which sounds like it's not refreshing at all, but it is in some way reassuring.
0: Yeah. Um, so what was it in particular that you found really interesting about Maggie as a character?
2: Um, I like that she's so... Foul? <laughs> Grumbly? <laughs> uh, she's not very n- nice to a lot of people by accident. Yeah. But she's really trying.
0: Mm.
2: And I don't know, it, It's she's, she's relatable in that sense because I think the first thing that she thinks, to me it feels like the first thing that she thinks accidentally comes out um, and then she has to pedal back a bit a few mm. times. Certainly in the lecture she goes hard yeah I'm <laughs> getting angry and then remembers that she's in a room of teenagers and and it's yeah. she's maybe alienated them or something um and I just like beyond the more complex stuff about mental health and um and that kind of thing the initial affection that I felt for her was just oh, she says the wrong thing I don't really like that.
0: yeah I mean, I love I love a, a flawed character. It's kind of, you know, what's interesting about people, really. Um, and I love that she's got that kind of prickly quality, um, <laughs> even though she doesn't really intend it. Um, I liked your use of the, the kind of hand lettering in the therapy scenes, which has the two different styles of lettering for the two characters. And Maggie's is quite kind of harsh. And, like, is it capital letters? And it's quite... I don't know, I just felt like the the way you did that was really clever to show kind of, it showed a lot about those two characters. Um, and it's something it's you might not, yeah, you might not even notice, but every every little thing was kind of telling you something about what was going on. Um, Maggie, did, did uh, Maggie, Molly, <laughs> <laughs> Molly did the character of Maggie evolve at all over the course of, you know, being a play and then the book or was she, did she stay kind of consistent?
1: Um, it's funny, call it. you called me Maggie when um, I was directing Karen, she always used to call me Moggy. So she would oh. kind of mix up <laughs> Molly and Maggie. She now just calls me Moggy. Um, but yeah, she did grow a little bit. So I think she, I think she, she grew because of working with Karen. So before, I cast Karen and started working with her because we worked quite closely together in the rehearsal room. I think Maggie was sort of, I don't know, like a bit more holy than I, and then she turned out to be like a bit better and a bit more of a sort of like, she's, she's, she's trying and the world's against her. And, and then as soon as Karen came into the space and I cast Karen, because she's from the black country and I wanted that accent, but I also, there was something about the quality Karen brought to her that was there was very blunt there was like a bluntness and a like a terseness about the way she delivered the lines that I really liked and I was like yeah she's she's not that it's not that she's sort of got like these like sort of problems communicating it's that she's got this urgency where she's like there's no time you know there's no time Mm. for for bullshit there's no time for obfuscation or pleasantries because there's a you know there's this mission that she's got and that sort of like filters out the rest of her life I just think there's an urgency there and a singularity so that's why like she's so in love with Jane but she she's only looking at the thing right in front of her and I think a lot of scientists are like that a lot of the scientists I met in the research period you know they sort of have to be because it's so overwhelming this sort of work um, and I guess some artists are like that as well where you're just like in absorbed in this project yeah. and like it doesn't she doesn't mean to be it to be like an asshole but but like she is being one you know and and then she pay, but she pays the price for that like the ultimate price really of like losing the person she loves maybe who knows but mm-hmm. <laughs> no spoilers but I think that's like I, I just think yeah I I used to always write nice characters or try to and I'm just so so done with it now I'm just so uninterested Um, and especially with women because I think there's a lot lot in real life you know white uh, women are socialized to be nice Mm -hmm. and and it's very different isn't it like these flawed male characters are so fascinating and like but uh, I, I want to do the same for for women and I think a lot of women writers a lot of writers are doing that now and kind of recognizing that we should we shouldn't be sort of putting women on this weird pedestal and or having like a kind of conditional relationship with them it's like I'll watch I'll I'll engage with this woman if she is pleasant or amenable Mm. or any of those things it's like no like equality is like we're all the worst
0: (laughs) 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 yeah um yeah I definitely I really enjoyed that aspect of her character as well the, the sort of um the high achiever and the perfectionist and that leading to her feeling really kind of self-sufficient, like she doesn't need anybody else. Um, and it's really interesting the way it unfolds over the book that she comes to kind of, she's sort of forced to accept that that connections with other people are important after all. Um, so yeah, I think it was really beautifully done. I love the, the transitions between the sort of different scenes um, with the therapist and with the lecture. Um, just sort of reinforces what's going on. Like she'll be sort of contending in one scene with how, with one particular problem and then it'll shift into a a different setting and she's sort of, it's the same problem again but in a different context. Um, So just, there's just so much layered stuff going on. I really, really enjoyed it. I also enjoyed the fact that she's somewhat of a sort of unreliable narrator in the story because Uh, reading through it again just before doing this interview I kind of was really enjoying that fact that as the reader you're kind of privy to some stuff about her that she's sort of oblivious to Um, was that something that was sort of intentional
1: Molly yeah and I, I love I love that using that as a as a device and I think all the best stories do really because we're trying to it's a, a good story is like a journey of learning isn't it for a character and so but before they learn the thing they've got to not know the thing and it's satisfying to us when we as the mm. audience do know the thing um and I but I because I write I perform in live shows as well that are sort of often like true and I've noticed that that it's harder to um to do the sort of unreliable narrator thing when I'm talking about myself or in my own poetry because I think it I don't know. Like I've had audiences like they don't reckon, realize you're doing it, and they just think you're presenting yourself as a bit of a bit of an idiot on stage or something. And so it's something that I feel like yeah, it was really nice to be able to do that and not and sort of trust in that device and know that that w- would hopefully work with with Maggie. And I wanted people to be very frustrated with her, mm. you know, at points, and to feel like oh, but also understand her. But but you know, and and then so when if you do feel sort of sad about the choices she makes it's not it's with that sort of investment as well because you've sort of watched her have these opportunities to grow and change and maybe not not quite get there but it's almost like she will get there like two months after the book ends (laughs) yeah
0: yeah definitely Lizzie how did you approach um the sort of visual style of the book, because there's different styles in for different kind of sections.
2: Yeah, so um, I was lucky that the like the structural trickery, tricky stuff, and complex kind of building of the story had been done for me, um, which is a real perk to not. <laughs> to not writing your own books Mm. which I didn't know about if someone else writes it you don't have to do quite so much logistical thinking um so I was just presented with this beautiful script that was like very structurally sound Mm -hmm. you know like you could you could shake it about and wobble it and it, it stayed in place um in a really useful way to be able to then hang pictures over the top of it like the foundations were were firm and so this the separate sections although in a script they kind of bleed into one another they were so clear like the lecture theatre as a setting the mood of that room is so clear that it starts out very uneasy becomes more uneasy and then becomes kind of this glorious revelatory moment but um so that that had a very clear clear vibe i guess and then the therapy is obviously more intimate um so i went from kind of a a very simple muted palette in the lecture or or simplified palette of kind of just orange um for the color of the room and then to therapy which is softer and more intimate and, and and a conversation so that's all drawn in colored pencil and um has more colors so it's more related to real life i suppose and then to flashbacks which are all blue toned i think um Uh, I don't know the past is blue I don't I don't know um uh and then through to the the kind of the depression section I suppose um which suddenly felt it felt weird to treat that in the same kind of clean way that I treated some of the other stuff um, which was colored drawn by hand but colored digitally so so that ended up being kind of painted in ink because it 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 felt um i guess more more tender I suppose um so th- but because the sections of the book were um so so clear coming up with a vis- visual response could, was totally instinctive and, mm-hmm. um, Obviously, had you given it to another artist, they would come up with different um, mechanisms for that. But I think it would be sort of the same. I don't. I don't think you could draw this book as in one visual visual style mm. all the way through, um, because it would you would lose like kind of what you were saying earlier about um, the way. The, the three sections kind of bleed in and out of each other in terms of Maggie's behavior, but not in terms of what, what is actually happening. Wow. Um, I think, yeah, it, it kind of has to be separate visually. Mm. Um, That's a very, very chaotic answer. to <laughs> a very, very clear question. <laughs> but, um, no, it's so nice it, but that like
1: you could use the, you could just do it intuitively and like it just it was it was right straight away when like Lizzie would send me stuff and be like the therapist is crayon and it's just like yeah obviously like it just felt really obvious and it's like you could talk about those things for hours and but but it's I don't know it's not it's not sort of a word choice is it it's like a, a bodily choice or a like I don't know it's like mm-hmm. you, you, it, it's not that logical I don't think but it just feels right
2: yeah yeah,
0: yeah um he's, he's
2: bodily yeah that's very, <laughs> uh, he's got my grubby paws on some colored pencils <laughs> yeah, did the therapy with
0: yeah yeah because I'm also interested in your that you you work in so many different sort of mediums Molly and I wonder whether your work kind of informs each other when you go from kind of writing poetry to writing for stage and um I don't know, do you think it does or do you think it's all quite different?
1: I think it's, I think the thing that's the same is that it's like scenes, you know, I'm always writing in scenes and I think it's, that's really useful to take out of like screenwriting, obviously you're writing scenes, but I think it's really useful to take that into other films. So into like poetry where it's better to put, you know, it's better if a poem is a scene and not like, Here's what I think about this. It's better if it's like you're describing something. So I think that visual way of telling stories that I've sort of learned from screenwriting, I think that has permeated the other the other strands of my work and made them better, for mm-hmm. sure.
0: Yeah, I mean i I worked for for many years at the National Theatre and watched kind of all of the shows that that they had on for years and years. And um, I was trying to think whether that had had any effect on my work and I think there's something about watching actors working um, that's helped me visualize how to depict people kind of behaving in different ways and the kind of you know body language and facial expressions I find that all really really enjoyable
1: so oh and yeah probably also the dynamics between them right because that's such a thing in theater and actually yeah I guess that if you're just coming from comics, I suppose, obviously that's a big thing, but it's not as it's not as three-dimensional.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, you don't have the actor's voice in a comic. Um, there's no kind of voice that, that you hear. I guess the reader hears it in their head, but you. there's so much you have to kind of try and do visually. Um, so what are you both working on next? Um, I think I saw on Molly's Instagram that there was something
1: happening in a the theater not too long ago. <laughs> yeah so I'm just finally staging um, a live show an autobiographical like stand-up storytelling poetry combinationy show that I wrote before Covid I was supposed to take to Edinburgh before Covid and now is I'm sort of I finished it and I'm trying to yeah well I'm not trying I am performing it (laughs) it does feel like I'm trying (laughs) yeah trying I guess to work out yeah like what it what it is and how to how, how that's in the world so that's what I'm doing and then I've also got like a screenplay project in development as well and um yeah but like definitely want to come back to comics at some point for sure brilliant
0: do you do you feel like that that you learned a lot about comics through this collaboration was there anything that sort of took you by surprise at all
1: I don't know really I definitely I mean yeah I learned a lot from just like the publishing process and, and also like seeing how Lizzie works like that was the main thing I suppose it's like seeing how the artist works and how you know those stages that that you go through which is really really interesting and just like I'm just in awe of like the the sheer amount of work that you know goes into a project for you guys for the artist and and like especially if you're writing it as well like gosh I just yeah I'm, I'm I mean I was sort of assumed that anyway but like I'm I have more more admiration because like when I had that wrote the screenplay then I hand it over to Lizzie and then she's like the director and the cinematographer and the costume designer and the set is like she's doing all those jobs yeah and I'm just the screenwriter and it's like wow that's a lot yeah there's a
0: lot you have to pay attention to um, and Lizzie what about you what are you doing next
2: um uh what am I doing next um at the moment I'm writing a comic like a short comic for an anthology um which I think because of Lights, Planets, People, somehow someone has found out that I've I've illustrated a science comic and now I have to do another one, um, (laughs) uh, which is um, making me actively um, mad. And I had to have like a Zoom conversation with an actual physicist the other night. And my notes are just, Complete nonsense. I'm like, oh, and the, the particle is traveling as a wave, 30 exclamation marks. I'm like, okay, but what how does this relate to what I'm meant to be doing? Um, so I'm trying to get to grips with quantum physics mostly, and then I've got a book out next year, um, called Alison that is a graphic novel um which tells the story of the life of um an fictional artist. Um over okay. the 80s 70s 80s and 90s in London
0: um, oh brilliant yeah that sounds great awesome. um so thank you for talking to me I will make sure that I list your websites and everything uh, along with this episode so um yeah thank you very much thanks for thank you it. so much thanks again to Molly and Lizzie for taking the time to talk with me and thank you for listening